have you here with us today on this Mother's Day. Um, it's a day that we celebrate the mothers in our lives, uh, whether it be our natural mother, spiritual mother. We celebrate moms today. Um, they hold a, a, a special place in our lives. But as David mentioned, at the same time, we also recognize that this day of celebration, this day when everybody's saying Happy Mother's Day, and, and that is also, for many, uh, 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 a, a painful time. Um, painful time for several reasons. For one, there's, there's those that, that, um, whose mothers have recently passed, or maybe not recently, but maybe it's been a while, but still, that sting of loss is there. And, you know, a day that we celebrate our moms and we're here, you know, missing our mom, thinking, you know, what, I, I wish I could be with her. There's those who, who, uh, uh, whose desire was to have children, but for whatever reason, uh, they did not, um, and there's a, a sense of, of something, uh, you know, a, a, a sense of pain in their lives because something that they desired to happen never, never happened. Uh, there's uh, pain for those whose mother was less than ideal. The relationship with their mother was less than ideal and not everything that it could have been. So while it's a day of we recognize moms and we celebrate motherhood, um, it's also a time of, um, of pain in people's lives, a reminder of things that maybe um, are, are painful in their lives. So I want us to, to, to pray this morning and just to pray over, pray over all of us today. Um, Father, I, I want to thank you, first of all, for uh, the moms in this room, the moms that, of, of everyone in this room. I want to thank you for those that, uh, the moms that you gave us. Lord, whether she was, uh, whether our mom was a, uh, a model mom and, and you know, stellar and, and, and all of that, or la- somewhat lacking in that, Lord, you used her to bring each one of us into this world. You used her in your plan. You used our mothers in your plan. And Lord, you've, you've used other, other women, spiritual mothers in our lives. And we thank you for them and we celebrate them. Lord, at the same time, we uh, pray for those that are feeling the, the sting and the pain that this day brings. Either because they, they, they wanted children and, and could not or, or, or did not for whatever reason. Uh, Lord, or those that whose whose mothers like mine have have, have passed on, and uh, are no longer with us, or or uh, for for whatever reason, whatever other reason, you know, maybe our mom is not something that you know we think of of our mom. Maybe we think of of memories that are anything but joyful and something to celebrate. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to just come bring peace and comfort into those lives and lord that you would in a way that only you can find a way that you would come and take what is painful and take what is lacking in the the lives of those that are feeling pain this day um and fill those places Fill those places with your love and your compassion and your peace. 
Holy Spirit, come. We celebrate this morning those that gave us life because without them we would not be here and if we weren't here we would not know your love in Jesus name Amen Amen <clears throat> When you look through the scriptures and you follow the storyline of the Bible, you can see that there is a cosmic, uh, cosmic battle that's taking place all around us. Um, it becomes clear that there's two forces at work pulling mankind in opposite directions, right? Ever, how many people, raise, raise your hands on this one, how many people remember the toy from years ago, Stretch Armstrong? Okay, quite a few. I mean, you know, his arms are like this, and, and the commercials are one kid pulled on this, you know, arm, and one kid pulled on this arm, and the arms would stretch because they pull on opposite directions, just stretching like crazy, you know. Or like in my case, I had this, when I was really little, I had one of my favorite toys was this, um, is about this big, Huckleberry Hound animal, okay, stuffed animal, Huckleberry Hound and about this big, and I remember one time my sister and I were fighting and pulling in different directions, and, you know, she pulled its head off. Um, and, you know, I, I think I still need healing over that. But anyway, um, you know, sometimes, you know, we have these forces, you know, pulling us in opposite directions, you know, and, and the forces have opposing agendas, one toward a life of freedom and peace and joy, and one toward a life of bondage and oppression and misery and destruction. And Jesus sums it all up in John 10, verse 10, a verse that would be good for everybody. If you have not memorized this verse, I encourage you to memorize it. John 10, 10 says that the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy or steal, kill, and destroy, and I have come that it might have life and have it to the full. I don't think there's any other verse in Scripture that more clearly lays out the enemy's agenda in contrast to God's agenda in our lives, right? Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever thought, have you ever thought, you know, I've heard this verse before, but it doesn't reflect my life. I've heard this verse before, but, you know, and, and it, it doesn't work for me. I believe in Jesus, but my life is far from the full life that Jesus talked about. I think if we're honest, I think we can all say there's times when we've asked that question. Today we're going to talk about why that's the case. To understand why so many people aren't living in the fullness of what God has for them, we need to understand a couple of basic truths. And the first is this, is we need to recognize that we have this problem called sin, okay? Everyone, it's universal. And we are sinners both by birth 
and by choice. We don't like to talk about this. We don't like to talk about sin, but we need to because it's something that affects every single one of us. And if we never talk about it, we will always be hounded by it. We will always be, uh, if, we don't, if we don't think about it and talk about it and confront it, we will always be uh, under, its, under its grip. Romans 5.12 says that when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. And it, it says that sin entered the world through Adam. Before he sinned, there was no death. That's how death entered the world. And you know Adam's story. He and Eve, you know, there was one thing that God had said. He put them in the perfect environment, in the Garden of Eden. There's no problems, nothing, you know, wrong. Perfect environment to live in. God put him in there and said, okay, there's this one thing. You've got total liberty, but, but there's one thing I, I don't want you to do. And what did they do? They deliberately went against God's will, and when they did, and they did that one thing, then sin entered uh, the human experience for everyone, everyone. That's why David said in Psalm 51, verse 5, he says, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. We are all born into sin. It's inevitable. But here's the catch. Every time I sin, every time I do something wrong, Every time you've ever done anything wrong, because I know one or two of you have, everything that anyone has ever done anything wrong, it was done by choice. It was done by choice. We don't like to hear that because it puts the responsibility for the wrong that we've done squarely on our shoulders. We can't put it on somebody else. You know, my sister and I were fighting over Huckleberry Hound. She, you know, we were both pulling it. She ripped the head off, right? She ripped the head off, not me. Doesn't matter that I was pulling off the feet. I didn't rip the body off. She ripped the head off, you know? We don't like to face up to the fact that we have to have our, you know, we, we carry the responsibility that, for the wrong that we've done on our own shoulders. Now, now, I, I want to clarify, I'm not talking about things that someone else has done to us. I'm thinking about things that we have done wrong. We chose to do those. You know, when I, when I started, when I, when I um, seventh grade, when I started to drink, I chose to do it. Ninth grade, when I started using, started getting high, I chose to do it. In fact, I remember, I specifically remember going through that in my mind and saying, you know, I'm going to do this. I remember that conversation I had in my mind. I remember where I had it and when I had it, and it was in ninth grade, which was more than a few years ago, you know? So I, 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 we choose. Every time we do something wrong, you know, that we choose to do it. It's the way it is with you. It's the way it is with me, with everyone else. You know, if we, if, we, if we lash out and verbally attack someone or we gossip about someone, it's because we choose to do it. We cheat on a test or cheat on taxes or whatever it is. We choose to do it. Nobody made us do it. Whenever we sin, whenever we do something wrong, it's because we choose it. So we can't blame anyone, not even Adam, for the sin in our lives because we all sin because we choose to. But here's the kicker. Sin only has the power to destroy. It has the power to destroy nations, 
to destroy communities, to destroy businesses, to destroy marriages, to destroy families, to destroy friendships, to destroy churches, to destroy individuals. Wherever it comes in, it has the power to destroy. That's all it knows how to do. How to do. It wreaks havoc everywhere it goes, and it takes its job seriously. So the first inescapable truth is that we're all sinners by birth and by choice. It's a universal problem. Here's the second truth that we need to look at before we can go further, and that is we need to come to grips with the fact that because of sin, we are broken beyond repair. How many are really encouraged right now? You know, we are broken beyond repair. You're no doubt familiar with the phrase, uh, uh, you can't unscramble an egg, right? It's true, right? Well, I heard another one recently that, you, that, that is popular in the South. <laughs> you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. Anybody hear that one? No? Nobody's from the South. You can't make a cucumber. Somebody heard it. Okay, you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. It, you know, it sounds weird, but it's so true. Because once a pickle is a pickle, it's a pickle, and you can never be, make it a cucumber again. To make a pickle, you take a cucumber, you soak it in a brine made with vinegar and salt, and then it becomes a pickle. You can't undo that, right? You know, out here in the hallway, we've got coffee, we've got bagels, we've got coffee, and, and we have water, and we have coffee, and I'd like coffee. Um, but we also have the water. We have a thing of water out there that is infused with cucumbers and some mint leaves. And if you've had any of that, it's delicious. I mean, you take that, it's cold, it's, it's, it's refreshing, it, it, you know, it, it tastes great. If you'd take out the cucumbers and put in a pickle, it'd be horrible. Nobody would drink it, right? It, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's not the same. You can't un undo that, you know? <laughs> you know, if you put a pickle in the water, it's going to taste terrible. It tastes like vinegar. No pickle juice is not good. Now, <laughs> never. <laughs> never, 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 never. I, I know uh, one of our kids used to like drinking pickle juice, but um, she was crazy. So, okay, now what's my point here? <laughs> because we're sinners by birth and choice, we can't go back. We can't unpickle ourselves. Okay, even though we may aspire to, you know, to someday become the person that we might have, uh, that we might have been, we just don't have it in us to pull it off. It's just not in us. No matter what we do, we're still soaked in vinegar. We're still pickled. That's why the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 64, 6, we're all infected and impure with sin when we display our righteous deeds. They are nothing but filthy rags. You know, we put out all the good things, but we're so tainted with sin. It's, it's nothing but filthy rags, it says. Now, doesn't look good for us, does it? But here's the thing. We need not worry because we're not left without hope. Before we can get to that hope, though, we have to come to grips with those two truths, that we're, we're all sinners by birth and choice, and we're all irreparably broken. We can't fix ourselves. We can't just try harder. We can't just do more of this. We can't just do less of that. We can't will ourselves to be good. 
because we're soaked in vinegar, so to speak. We just don't have it in ourselves. Romans 7 says, Paul says, I don't really understand myself for what I want to do. I, I, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Then he goes on, verse 18, and I know that nothing good, here's the Apostle Paul saying this, he says, nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. In this passage, he's talking about what it's like to be controlled by the sinful nature, the, the sinful nature that we're all born with and that we all ultimately embrace by choice. It's an unwinnable battle. So what's the solution? Here it is. Since we're all broken, irreparably broken, the only solution is to be made new. The only solution is to be made new. Not repaired, but made completely new. Not just renovated, but made completely new. Not just duct taped and put back together, but made completely new. You know, you often hear people talk about turning over a new leaf, you know, and the problem with the new leaf is that it doesn't work because it eventually it starts looking like the old leaf because it comes from the same, comes from the same old dead branch. We don't need a new leaf. We need a new life coming from a new heart. The Bible says that we're spiritually dead, dead in our sins, and we need to be made spiritually alive. We cannot do that ourselves. So now, so far this morning, I've talked about eggs. I've talked about pickles. Uh, and I've talked about cucumbers. Now I want to talk about oranges. Okay, we like food around here. Can I help it? You know, we like food around here, but I want to talk about oranges. In the southernmost part of Texas, there's an area simply known as the valley, and it's known for its citrus groves. Um, but the interesting thing is that the typical, the, the typical orange trees uh, that are out there, the typical orange trees cannot grow in the valley because they're incompatible with the climate. So what farmers will do is they will bring in a sturdy rootstock of a, of a stronger type of orange tree and plant that in the valleys. But the problem with that is the rootstock that will grow there produces a bitter, extremely sour fruit that just, you just can't eat. It's too sour to eat. Even if you like sour stuff, it's just too sour to eat. So they plant those, though, that, that in there, and once the rootstock becomes a young tree, the farmer cuts into the bark of the tree and grafts in a different kind of orange, an orange of higher quality. Now, once the graft is embedded, they wait to see signs of life that the graft is taken. They wait for it to grow. And this is similar to the way that we live our spiritual lives. Our old nature is only capable of producing bitter fruit. And that's why the world is a mess. That's why our lives are a mess. And so what God has done, he's grafted in, he's given us this new nature that's nothing like the old nature. It's totally new. He, he grafts new life into our spirit. Paul says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. It's dead. It's cut off. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
when you accept, when a person accepts Christ as the Lord of their life and as their Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our spirit. We have new life and new potential for our lives. Whereas before, the best we could do is produce fruit that's too bitter to consume. Now we have the capacity to bear fruit that's sweet and pure and, 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 and delicious. Back to the orange tree. After the graft, the problem is that this tree now has two natures. The old nature and the bitter nature. The new nature, which is the sweet nature. Uh, yeah, the, the old nature is the bitter and the new is the, the sweet. So what do the farmers do? They go back to the tree. Once it's grown enough, he comes in and cuts off the original rootstock right above the, gra um, um, uh, the, gra the graft. Cuts it off right, right at the graft so that the full sap supply now flows to the new branch and not to the old. The new branch then eventually becomes a fully developed tree. And now the tree can continue to grow as an orange tree is intended to grow. It can produce the kind of fruit that oranges, uh, that an orange tree is supposed to, to produce. It is intended to fruit, sweet fruit. All this happens because of the graft, because of the infusion of new life. In the same way, we've been given new life. We've been given, when, we, when, when, when Christ comes to us and, and we accept Him, we've been given a new nature. The old has been cut away and, and, and totally new life is grafted in. It's been grafted into our spirit. We can now begin to produce quality fruit with our lives. But the comparison doesn't end there. Even as the grafted tree grows into newness of life, there's still the original roots to deal with. And they continually try to produce limbs that will grow bitter fruit below the graft. And if these bitter limbs are allowed to grow, they'll hinder the sap from reaching the grafted limbs. Now to prevent this, what the farmers do is they come in and cut away the bitter branches so that the tree can grow and continue to produce fresh and sweet fruit and all the sap and all the nourishment is, is funneled into and directed toward the new growth, the sweet fruit. Now, every now and then you'll find some, some you'll see some trees that have been neglected over the years. The graft is still there, but it wasn't nurtured, and the trees become stunted and it's fruit bitter. I mean, if you think about it, you can see how this applies to our spiritual life. The life that Jesus grafted into our spirit makes us a new creation, and we now have the potential to live like we could never live before. We have the potential to live life that is fully pleasing to God. And this has implications for our marriage, has implications for a job, has implications for our relationships, has implications for every area of our lives. You have the potential to experience God's favor, His blessing, His anointing in everything you do. 
It's not a problem-free life, but it's a life that's, that's, that's uh, uh, it, 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 it's a full life as you face your problems. You have the potential to live a whole new life. A full life that Jesus promised in John 10.10. Because while we were broken beyond repair, we are not without hope. God has a plan that changes everything. He's not saying just try harder, because trying harder won't help. He's not going to ask you to unpickle yourself because you can't do that. He doesn't ask us to change what we cannot change. Instead, He offers a new life. He makes us a totally new creation. And what does He ask us to do? He asks us to nurture this new life. Simply nurture the new life. He said in Romans 8.13, Paul said, If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Now, what does that mean? He explains it in verse 5. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Or listen to it in the New Living Translation. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. We nurture the graft of new life that God has given us by focusing our minds on Him. Turning to Him. Turning to Jesus. Focusing our minds on Him. Paul says, letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. If you want life, life to the full, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of significance, a life of fulfilling all that God created you to be, then let the Spirit control your mind. And believe that you are who God made you, that you are a new creation that you're no longer identified by the things of the past, the things of the old nature, the things that were before, but you are now a new creation, and it's God that defines you. So ask yourself, do you see, you know, do you see yourself as a new creation, or do you still see the old self? Which one dominates your mind? Which one dominates your thinking? See, what you feed is what will grow, and what grows will determine what dominates your life. Now, most of us here today have already received a new life. You've already come to the point where you're saying, yes, Jesus, I want your life. I'm going to surrender my life to you, and I want your life. And you believe in what he's done for you. You believe that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he rose on the third day. And you believe that He did it for you. And you believe that He did it to give you new life. But we're not always nurturing it like we should. So I want to give you two questions this morning. One is, first of all, have you received the new life that Jesus offers and become a new creation? 
Have you said, yes, Jesus, I'm going to surrender my life to you, and I'm going to, I'm, I, I, I'm, you're going to call the shots from here on out. I'm living for you. Second question is, if you have done that, that's awesome. Are you nurturing it? Not once in a while, but regularly, every day. Are you nurturing it? Or are you still feeding the old dead life? What your mind, your thinking, what do your thoughts align with? The new life or the old life? I'm going to give an invitation to respond to those questions. First one first. I want everybody to close your eyes. If you've never received the new life, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and said, I'm not going to even try to do it on my own anymore. I need you. I'm going to put my trust in you. If you've never taken that step, I'm going to invite you to do that right now before we go. I want you to simply, with nobody looking around, I want you simply to raise your hand and say yes to him. Raise your hand and just say, yes, Jesus, I want that new life. We're just taking a second. If you're here and you've not done that, now's the time. Okay, I want to ask the second question. If you received the life that he offers, I want you to ask yourself, are you nurturing it? And if you're not, if you've been hanging on to the old and not nurturing the new, then I want you to answer this question just to yourself. What do I need to do to begin nurturing the new life that Jesus has put in me? Only you can answer that. What do I need to do to begin to nurture the new life? What thoughts do I need to begin to replace in my mind? What do I need to start believing? What thoughts need to begin to change? And how can I do that? How, 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 what am I going to nurture the new life? How am I going to nurture the new life? What will you do? Father, I pray that you would show each one of us we don't want the bitter, sour fruit. We don't want that for our lives. We want our lives to begin to produce the sweet, delicious fruit. The good fruit. Fruit of the new life that is ours in Jesus. We want to begin to walk in the fullness of life that you say is ours. 
So show us each one of us, Lord, how do we nurture that so that we can begin to walk in it. We recognize that because of our sin, we're irreparably broken. But Lord, we also believe that you said that when we give our lives to Christ, when we are in Christ, that we are new creations, that the old has gone and the new is here. The new has come. So help us to nurture the new and not to hang on to the old, but to let that go, to let it die. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like our worship team to come on up. Now, um, I would encourage you to maybe, you know, write down on your outline somewhere um, what it is. If something is coming to your mind, this is how I can nurture that new life. If there's something coming to your mind, don't rely on, on remembering it later. But instead, you know, write it down on the outline, take it out and look at it later and really pray about it and say, okay, Lord, help me to do this. Help me to, because what, what we nurture and what we feed is what's going to grow. Uh, our ushers are getting ready and they're going to come and connect, collect those uh, uh, fluorescent.